Katjana, what is post-traumatic stress disorder in children? Mm, very much like what it's like in adults. It just might present very differently, just like everything else, right? So PTSD is an unfortunate byproduct um, or an unfortunate side effect of any type of trauma. Now, when people talk about PTSD, they often think of the most extreme, yes, war, death, right? But it's not always that clear because especially with young children, um, we can never fully quantify what they classify as traumatic because they're of their limited life experience, which we've talked about before. And so PTSD can affect children from various causes, even a bad divorce amongst parents, right? Uh, Being bullied at school, things that as adults, we might not normally think of as falling in the category of, you know, traumatic events. Um, But what it is, is that it causes um, a stress response, um, or and, and in a lot of cases, more severe things such as like flashbacks, um, you know, reliving the trauma in their minds, anxiety, depression, all of that stuff, um, and it impacts their functioning. So PTSD, if left untreated, just like with adults, is something that can morph into a really, de- um, really debilitating and really problematic issue. Okay, what kind of additional issues might be connected with a child who's suffering from PTSD? Uh, I mean, I think it's it's one of those things that is so pervasive and so um, all-encompassing that I've yet to meet a child with PTSD who finds it possible to function quite normally. So you'll see their school re- their, their school performance start to get affected. You'll see their socialization and their relationships with people um, start to get affected, uh, their sense of confidence in themselves. So all of these things will somehow be impacted if they have a diagnosis of PTSD. Um, even if they don't have a full-blown PTSD diagnosis and they have symptoms of it or they're having traits of it, it is still something that we see, or at least I've seen, um, affected kids in a lot of very, very significant ways. Is this PTSD and, and sort of the, the, the signs of it a reaction that develops right after something traumatic happens or is there a longer mm. window in which this could manifest? I think definitely both. Some kids do respond quite quickly, but some children, um, I like to say, kind of go into military mode, right? So what that means is like, you know, because the brain does, like we've talked about, function off your survival or focus on your survival. survival Exactly. So in survival mode, they might not have the space to really deal with their emotions at that point in time, depending on what it is. So just off the top of my head, um, say, for example, it's a bad divorce or there's a lot of, uh, you know, verbal or emotional abuse happening within the family during that time. The child might not feel like it's safe and appropriate to deal with their emotions in that space. So it's all military. It's all survival mode. Right. Um, So these symptoms might not manifest until much later. Right. Um, It's the same thing seen with people who are prisoners of war, for example. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's something that does tend to affect them many, many, many years down the line, even when they have supposedly kind of come back and integrated into society. It's still something that affects them. So I really do feel that the brain kind of goes into that survival mode and in a way protects you from the brunt of things mm-hmm. if there is if there's no opportunity to deal with it then. So if it is... um a situation that has been resolved, it is possible that the child will present with these symptoms almost immediately. But there are cases, and I would say probably more often the case, where it does have kind of a delayed um, response. And so that's why people struggle to connect the dots because they'll go, Mm. well, everything's okay. So why is the child having difficulties, right? Mm. But it is possible to happen much later. Well, just think about how if a child is a a child of divorce, right? Mm. Technically, because... 
which side do I go to? There was a lot of mm. yelling and everything. It is kind of like feeling like a prisoner Traumatic, of war in yeah. a way, right? Precisely, exactly. Exactly, a hundred percent. And people kind of, like I said, I think that we've just been um, exposed to that narrative that in order to be traumatized, it has to be a, a trauma that you can't argue, right? So it has to be, like you said, war and torture mm-hmm. and things like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But we don't think about how for, you know, like JD said, a five-year-old being put in the middle of bickering parents, um, it's probably the same thing. So you know what? It doesn't need to be five years old. Even if you're like a teenager or a 20-year-old, you see, hear your parents arguing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Still, yeah, yeah exactly. Yep. Okay, so how does this sort of um, the symptoms or, or, or the the showings of the trauma bubble to the surface weeks, months, even years after the fact um, mm. happen? When it does also, mm. is it always traceable to the event? Sometimes I, I mean, I, I wouldn't really know kind of the, the statistics of it, but I have seen some kids where it is quite clear where it's come from because the, because the patterns or the symptoms have a very similar pattern. So for example, um, some kids who develop very severe attachment anxiety from parental divorce, right? So that's something where it's quite easy to connect the dots. Um, but in some other cases, not too much. So I've actually had a case where, um, I had, you know, a, a client who had some suffered sexual abuse very early on in her in her lifespan um, and what she was experiencing was sort of like this dissociative state as a teenager where she kind of like not really um, she had these moments where she kind of black out and not really know where she was and things like that so it wasn't as easy to kind of pinpoint that that was it because it wasn't something that was disclosed very early on unfortunately mm-hmm. um, so we saw sort of like this dissociation that was happening um, and we didn't really know where it was coming from so sometimes the symptoms aren't as you know cause and effect as what had happened um but you know it's really important to kind of identify when it all began whether there's a there's a theme going um and that kind of usually helps us but yeah it's a tricky thing where it doesn't manifest the same in two people yeah is it possible to know which children are at risk for ptsd you know is age proximity frequency of the event um, I think definitely all of those things that you've mentioned, right? So if a child is, um, of course, in a environment whereby the issue isn't really being resolved, um, and is something that's kind of happening quite repeatedly, um, something that isn't they have zero control over. So like we talked about happening amongst the adults in the household or the the people around them. Um, Those are all things that I think would um, contribute to that. Um, But like everything else, I feel that there really is no um, way to predict who in this group of children is going to develop PTSD, even if they have grown up in the same setting. So if they all, so we're looking at, say, a handful of kids who grew up in the same environment, exposed to the same stresses, exposed to the same trauma, if you will, um, you will very likely find some kids meeting the criteria for PTSD and some not. Wait, right? means think- if it's like two brothers mm-hmm. in, the, in the same situation, one will develop PTSD and one won't? Not necessarily, yeah, exactly. Oh. So there will be cases. It's not. It's not like if you go through something traumatic that you will have to go through. PTSD. Right, right, right. Um, and it's so it's not an exact science. So whenever I work with kids who have um, come to me, you know, knowing that they've they've gone through something traumatic, I personally make it my job to not insist that they should have it. So I kind of let them let lead when I go when I run the sessions to try to understand kind of how they are processing what's just happened. And you will be surprised by the number. I mean, kids are the most resilient creatures on earth. Um, and you will find that these kids that some of these kids don't actually process it as a trauma, at least at that stage in their life when it's just happened. It might, like I said, very 
very well develop into that later on. But with the right support, we could even circumvent that. So it's very possible that, yeah, two kids in the same setting will, will process the events differently and therefore be at different risk factors or have different risk factors for PTSD. So you know, it, it's definitely something that that need not happen to everyone in a traumatic situation. Mm. Can we talk a little bit about um, the different ways PTSD shows up for, mm-hmm. you know, kids, teenagers and adults and sort mm-hmm. of the different ways? Mm-hmm. So I have it here because I don't want to miss anything because I think that this is like really important. So, um, so when it comes to PTSD, again, something that is very different in kids as it is in adults, right? So some of the things that parents might miss is, for example, um, they might kind of fixate on those on the event itself. So that might not be in terms. Some of it can manifest in sort of nightmares. Some of it can manifest in difficulties with sleep. But some could even just be with regards to conversations. So, for example, when they're playing or when they're you know when they're interacting with other people or just talking with other people you see them kind of repeating certain things that were relevant to what had happened to them Mm. right um and that could be something that a lot of parents miss because they go well of course it's something that was traumatic so they don't see it as a symptom if that makes some sense so it's something that you see a little bit of this reliving happening either in dreams subconsciously or sort of in their wakefulness um you see them of course get very upset in some some cases when um, topics that remind them of what happened are brought up or experienced. So if conversations happen or they watch a movie that has similar themes to what had happened, they might get very upset or angry. They need not cry. They might get angry. They might get agitated. So having some type of emotional response to anything that reminds them of those events mm-hmm. Um In some cases, you have kids that present with almost depressive symptoms. They kind of have an inability to experience any joy. They find they're constantly sad and down all the time. Not all kids, but some kids do present with this. Um, Again, it might not just be sadness. It could also be the other end of the spectrum where they're angry, right? Because we've talked about how... In my opinion, anger is how our brain controls an uncontrollable situation. So that's kind of family. So some type of emotional outburst. they're also te- they also tend to be this is probably the most common they tend to be very anxious or very afraid of this thing happening again so you might see behaviors where they're checking and rechecking they might need constant reassurance depending on what the trauma was um, because they're co- sort of bracing themselves for the possibility that this thing has happened right um, and so that can be something that you see your child doing where they're checking and rechecking quite often um, or coming up with plans and routines for things um, Um, You could also, in some cases, um, having kids avoid anything that might trigger that memory, Mm. right? So if it's something that's happened in a particular place, they might not want to go to that place or anything similar to that place. Um, If it involves particular people, they might not want to be around those people. Um, So I feel like when we look at the media's depiction of PTSD, you see, you know, these night terrors, you see people kind of having these flashbacks while they're awake. Um, You know, that's not necessarily something that happens day to day with, with, anyone but more specifically with kids um so i would look for sort of these subtle things where they are experiencing extreme emotional responses either fear sadness or anger with anything that's related not even maybe directly you know that thing itself but just related to that thing and the themes relating to that thing um and then yeah i think that would be a, a pretty good summary of what to look out for okay how is ptsd diagnosed in a child 
Mm. So definitely something that would need a professional to do. Um, I, I, I tell parents that, you know, again, whenever a child has experienced something traumatic, don't kind of jump the gun and immediately say that your child has PTSD because that need not always be the case. So it is very important um, uh, to bring them in to see a professional. Um, I believe the current sort of requirement is that these symptoms persist for about a month um, and you're seeing kind of these things happening quite regularly then I would say definitely bring your child in to see a professional either a psychiatrist or a psychologist um, to do the the assessments and just kind of rule out the different things because I think as adults we kind of do get penned into that like you know I, I've mm. had cases where I've had you know five-year-old children who'd come to me after after a trauma and the parents are all just obviously very empathetic and very like you know concerned that the child might have PTSD but the child doesn't meet the criteria so I think that it's really important to get that professional view um, so if your child's presenting with these things quite consistently for about 30 days or more not a bad idea to how young though I mean how old yeah I mean, well, I is that like yeah. a minimum age for you to like try to figure it out not really I mean I think that some professionals might um might want to avoid that PTSD label for a little while, but I have seen clients as young as two or three um, who've come in following something pretty traumatic. Um, so I don't think that there's a guideline as far as I'm aware. you need to talk to kids. I mean, like, you need to, they need to be able to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. quantify how they're yeah. feeling and stuff like that as well, right? Yeah, no that's, why, that's why play therapy and art therapy exists. Oh, I see, so, see. yeah, so I have had cases where kids come in and they might not have the language capabilities at mm. that point. Um, so I work really closely with, like I said, play therapists, art therapists, music therapists, um, you know, who are able to kind of help the child express themselves mm-hmm. in different ways. I've actually sat in on, um, on a trauma assessment for a child with a play therapist. And it's really fascinating how they use dolls, they use drawings, they use all these other mediums to give the child a, a platform on how to communicate because they might not have the words just right, yet right, I see. Um, okay. so so don't be deterred if you feel that your child might not have the language or speech capabilities um, some kids do go very quiet after a trauma so you might see something like selective mutism or any type of sort of like um, aversion to speech um, again don't be deterred if we feel that putting your child on the spot and getting them to talk is a little bit too difficult. And and the other thing that I'm always really mindful of is we don't want the child to relive the trauma as much as possible. Right. So I'm not a fan of getting the kids to explain and re-explain and re-explain. But it's it's an unfortunate thing that happens when, for example, the trauma involves a court case or a police. Yeah. I've seen those that the lawyer is like just trying to over. Yeah. 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 And, you know, and, and we're, we're quite blessed that, you know, at least our, um, uh, certain certain parties within our our um, law enforcement have been trained on how to speak to children in traumatic situations. So that's been great so far where they do understand that there is this line they have to be very mindful of. But even in therapy, like we try really hard not to kind of relive it because you can have that happen where a child comes in and because of the constant repeating of the trauma they develop symptoms they did not have it day one right so we have to be very very so gentle could, with how we do it they were it. fine before but then after that they, they got PTSD yeah exactly yeah because they have to talk about it right, over right, and over right, right. Right? Okay. so that's why we you know if your child isn't isn't capable or able or willing to speak there are other options so don't be deterred Mm. but it's important to kind of address it if it happens um and there's no time limit so if the trauma happened today and if your child's presenting with symptoms like you said five years down the line there's no time limit you can still get help for that 
Um, in terms of treatment, you've mentioned a few different ways um, a, a child could be helped. Um, mm. Is it only something that a professional could deal with or is it something that, you know, families at home can deal with if they know what to do? Absolutely. So it's never something that is 100% reliant on just the parents because I'm sorry, on just the the therapist, because like I tell all parents, we only see them for an hour or two a week, you're with them for the remaining 168 or so. So it's really important that it's a family approach, if it's if that's at all possible, right? So whoever who's caring for the child needs to be uh, briefed by the therapist on certain techniques or certain do's and don'ts that they should be practicing. Um, What I often tell parents is to be an open book. Um, If the child wants to talk, be a space, be a safe space where they can do that, right? This might happen in the early morning hours or in the middle of the night when they feel the most overwhelmed or the most safe. Whenever they feel that they want to talk about something, make sure that you're not someone who shuts them down, who judges them, who tells them what they should be feeling and what they should be doing. Just be an open book where you're there to listen, right? Help them work through all of their emotions and all of their thoughts don't make them fix it just give them a space to talk it out Um, and if there's something that you feel is a bit out of your scope of expertise you're welcome to say you know I think that that's a really important thing that you just said so I want to pin that so that we can bring it up with your with your therapist when we see him or her this week you know so you can you can kind of like point out that that's something you really want to address but I think that it's really important that you know that parents give kids those platforms like I said, it doesn't have to be conversation. It can be art. It can be, you know, crafts. It can be whatever your kid's into um, that allows them to kind of let it out, right? Give them that space. And eventually they will kind of get to it in their own time. What if they don't get the help? What if it's not addressed? What if at home, Mm. you know, it's kind of swept under the carpet, as is often the case, you know? Yes, yes. Uh, Prognosis isn't good. Right. So um, worst case, I mean, sorry, best case scenario, these anxieties and these fears and these thoughts continue to exist well into adulthood. um, And that will shape who they become as adults in the end. Right. So if it's, for example, something to do with, you know, worst case scenarios and some type of sexual assault, it will impact the types of romantic or, or intimate relationships they have growing up, right? It will impact their concept of self-image. It will impact just how they view the gender that had assaulted them, right? So there are all of these things that, you know, might not mean that they can't function in society in the best case, but it will impact how they live their life. Um, And in worst case scenario, you have people who have flashbacks, who have, um, you know, who who can't function, who can't have a job, who who need to to, um, live with constant support. So I think that when it comes to something like PTSD, it is absolutely something that needs to be addressed because all the research that we've seen has not yet found um, an outcome where they kind of just brush it under the carpet and, and work work their way through it. So yeah, absolutely, they need they need the support the minute we identify it. Oh my God, I just realized something. What? When I was lecturing many, many years ago, I was teaching engineering to a bunch of kids, right? And uh, they were probably like, 19, 18, whatever it is, right? Mm. I remember I, I, we did this uh, little 
thing where I would throw the pen at them and then they'd have to come up to uh, do on the board and then do right. something right. Mm. So it was just a thing. I I wasn't throwing at them. I would, I would just pass the pen over to toss them. Toss it. Right? Yeah. So toss it over to them. So this uh so everybody you're having fun and then toss it over. Oh no, I can't do this and then whatever. Mm. Then everybody would laugh, right? So I remember tossing this pen to this girl. She started crying. Oh, she freaked dear. out. Mm. And I'm like. Everybody freaked out. The whole class. I'm like, "What did I do?" She ran out of class, and everybody assumed that I had done something, right? And after that, um, I I don't know exactly what happened, but they talked to the girl and everything. Just next, you know, I we never saw her again in the in the class oh, or whatever wow. it is. So maybe something might have happened hmm. Possibly, previously yeah. about a pen. Yeah, something as simple maybe as that, isn't it? Something thrown at her. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, either that or maybe she's had a situation when she was younger where she was called up to the front of the class and got it wrong and was teased. Right, right. It's something as simple as that. Yeah. That is yeah. also PTSD, right? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So you might not go ahead and give them that disorder label, right? Because yeah. she's she's able to function most of the time, but it could very well be something that caused a huge trauma. Um, and and this is actually you know really really common. I've got kids in standard one standard. Two standard three who are coming to me traumatized, especially unfortunately <clears throat> kids who go to Chinese schools or very high performance schools, where if they get the answers wrong, there's often a punishment. Yeah, yeah. And so you have kids. I literally have. I can off the top of my head now. I can count ten of my clients who I'm actively working with. Who are terrified of ugly penmanship? Who are terrified of getting things wrong? And they're mm-hmm. sitting there erasing and doing things over and over, hyperventilating. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it might not be like I said something that we stereotypically think is traumatic, but it affects them just the same. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I just thought of that story. Yeah. it just kind of hit Actually, me. I'm like, whoa. That's a mm-hmm. very uh, good example of. Uh, what Katiana was saying if you don't deal with it if you don't mm-hmm. actually help your child correct that's the kind of thing that exactly it might have happened when she was much much younger and then she's exactly. already like in her almost like 20 years old and it's still yeah. affecting her right? wow yeah yeah so can you imagine later on in the workforce yeah. yeah right when you have bosses who are demanding and things like that right so like I said it might not result in you being the kind of person oh. who you know needs to needs constant support and constant monitoring but it can impact how you function in your world if you don't get the support you need so yeah so if you think your child may have ptsd how do you help them what do you do yeah i think you need to first and foremost identify um, avenues for support right um you know you could ask your child whether or not it's something that they would be open to doing right because of course if they're if they're open to it then that makes it a lot easier um and identify whether this is something that is is a valid concern because like i said of course it might not be ptsd it might just be I hate to call it regular anxiety, but it could be anxiety. But it's good it to know things. whether yeah. it's not right. Exactly. Yeah. It's good to know, right? Because I think how PTSD is slightly different is that, you know, it is unfortunately something that the brain has an example of. Mm. There is a, it's not something these kids are manifesting in their head it is a trauma that the brain will now continue to refer to right and it's not something that maybe is reflective of everyday life right so for example the type of thing they were exposed to is not something that is reflective of how the rest of the world might live day to day so you develop a very significant distortion of what the world is like so if you were say abused you then think that you might apply this generalization that 
other people that everyone is capable of it that this is normal for example right, right, that the world isn't safe yeah, that yeah. the world isn't right. safe or that somehow this type of treatment is normal for me so i have to accept it that everybody is everybody gets abused right so that you, so your brain develops a distortion of as, as a byproduct of what you went through and that will absolutely affect how you live your life right. so it's 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 that's why i think ptsd is is very very complicated and very important that we look into um because when it comes to other things we can often change it to kind of use real life examples to indicate that you know hey chances are this hasn't happened but when you have something that's a concrete real example your brain will feed off that constantly yeah. right so the approach is going to be slightly different when you're counseling or working with a child with PTSD so it's really important so if you don't know better get it checked by yes. a professional don't diagnose yourself like, yes right. google google will tell you what to look for yeah. um but you know it's important to bring your child to see a therapist they might not be able to give you an answer on day 1 it might take a little bit of time to identify how your child is processing what has happened um and then they could tell you whether or not they think it's PTSD um but it's important to get that done and then you can figure out how to how to move on from there